welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast looking into their crystal ball. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who picked Bryce Love as his breakout star last year. Ooh, that would be me, Ryan Newman. And I'm joined by the other brother, who did not. Ouch, that would be Trey Newman. All right, so this is the first episode of probably about 12 or 13 episodes previewing the 2018 college football season. So we're going to cover the Pac-12 North this episode, and then our Pac-12 South and Championship episode will come out in a couple days. But before we get into that, let's go through some, uh, some brief news and notes from around the country The first one is that almost huge news. Jake Fromm broke his non-throwing hand in a boating accident, but he's not going to miss any summer workouts. He's already resumed throwing, so kind of crisis averted there. But the big news we have is that Nick Saban had his emails leaked online, and that story (laughs) was, of course, broken exclusively by the college football bros. Do you guys have any takeaways from, uh, from that revelation? Uh, just the fact that he, it's clear that he still despises Lane Kiffin. <laughs> Wouldn't even open his emails. Didn't even open it. Oh, it's just terrible, man. Ouch. Holding a grudge. And I really, I knew he had an affection for little Debbie, but my goodness, it's actually his email address. That is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you don't know what we're talking about, um, we posted an image of, of Nick Saban's leaked emails. You can check that out at collegefootballbros.com. But did you guys see that it had 35,000 website visits for us, over 200,000 impressions on Twitter? Wow. Danny Cannell retweeted it. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Getting some attention. All right. It was, a, it was a job well done. Michael was the creator of that one. He's, he, he was the author, but man, the mastermind, I should say. But that was a job well done, Mike. Good win for the bros. <laughs> I really was hoping somebody was going to take it seriously, but I, I couldn't <laughs> quite find anybody that did. Oh, well. Let's get into the Pac-12 North preview. Our first segment is Fact or Fiction. Ryan, why don't you get us started here? All righty. Fact or Fiction. Chris Peterson is the fourth best coach in the country. All right. So I guess we're assuming here then one, two, three would be Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, and Dabo Dabo Sweeney. That seems to be pretty much the consensus. So I'm going to say that's fact because I think he's fourth. I can't see anybody else that I'd put there. What he did at Boise State was obviously incredible, but he's he's one-upped that, making Washington an immediate you know playoff contender. So maybe Kirby, Kirby Smart jumps into that conversation in a year or two, but for now, I got to go with Peterson. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go fact as well. Uh, you know, these lists, it's usually hard to, to kind of narrow it down like this, but I, I think I would totally have to agree with fourth. I'm not ready to put him in that upper echelon yet, but I put him ahead of guys like James Franklin, Mark D'Antonio, Jim Harbaugh, even Gary Patterson. So mm-hmm. I think fourth's a very reasonable place. Yeah, those other guys you mentioned kind of have some blemishes on their resume, some losing seasons at least, but Peterson's pretty unimpeachable at this point. That's why I actually I'm I'm gonna put him at third. I'm I Wow. Yeah, I know. It's it's You're ahead of Dabo? I'm gonna put him slightly ahead of Dabo. I actually don't think that's ridiculous. Well, it took Dabo a little while to get it going there at Clemson, and I think if you give Chris Peterson that opportunity that Dabo had at Clemson, then he would be, have been killing it, and probably even sooner than Dabo did. Um, look what he did at Washington. They were horrible for quite a while there. So, 
Um, I'm going to say he's third behind Meyer and Saban. All right. What's our next question? All right. Fact or fiction. Bryce Love will rush for 2,000 yards this season. All right. Um, I'm going to say that, yes, he does. He had 2,118 last year, and you know they're going to ride him as much as possible again this year because he's by far their best player. So I'm going to say, yes, he gets there again. I'll disagree. I'll go fiction um, because I I expect Stanford to lean a little bit more on the passing game this year. I like Costello. He's another year older um, and kind of entrenched as the starter. And the receiving core is really good as well. So maybe they'll not quite lean on on love as much. Maybe they don't want to get him injured like he was last year. So I'll go slightly under. Yeah, I'm going fiction. Uh, For me, in my opinion, it's easy just because if you look at last year, he started his first five games averaging 217 yards. And two of those games, he had 301 yards and 263. I just don't see that happening this year. And I think he'll be held under 2000. Okay, last one. Fact or fiction, Jake Browning is the best quarterback in the Pac-12 North. Wow. I'm going to say no. Uh, That's not one of the options, Trey. Oh, excuse me. Fiction. I did that last <laughs> yeah. question. <laughs> fiction. I, I get my fact and fiction confused. No, I say fiction because personally, and I think the bros probably all agree on this, I'm more of a fan of Justin Herbert at Oregon. Uh, Browning, I feel like his success has mainly been a product of the team around him being great. Uh, and, and if you look at the latter half of last year, he finished pretty lackluster in his last like six or seven games he only threw for five touchdowns and two picks and two of those games he was under 100 yards passing and you know he he just wasn't the guy that was going to carry them to victories last year so i i say fiction i'm gonna say it's a fact that he is the best quarterback in the north and just just barely barely better than herbert i'm i'm giving him the nod browning because of his overall experience he's got what like 40 games under his belt by now and also his ability to stay healthy he's played every game there so that's a huge factor herbert hasn't proven that yet so um that's that's my reasoning of taking browning yeah i I agree that it's it's very close but i'm going herbert just just because of the upside and and the efficiency has a little bit higher yards per attempt than browning and and like you said trey i think browning is more dependent on the talent around him we saw last year i mean last year was still a decent year overall good year but it was much worse than the previous year when he had john ross as as an amazing receiver so um, I, I prefer Justin Herbert just a little bit. You could say Herbert's a little bit of a product of the Oregon system, though. I guess you could, but well, but was, we saw what we saw how much better he was, or Oregon was with him. Yeah, That's exactly. True. They were incredible. They were incredible against Boise State. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. He, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> one game. One game. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's get to the tiered rankings. So we've got we've got three tiers here. That uh, we're all agreed upon by the bros. We've got contenders, dark horses, and and long shots for the division. So we'll start with the contenders. Ryan, who's our uh, our first team from the Pac-12 North? All right, we're going to start with the highest ranked team. Uh, it's going to be Washington. Their over-under season win total is being set at 10.5. And, um, and they're going to have a really, really good team this year. They're led by eighth-year senior Jake Browning. Uh, <laughs> Classic. <and> Classic <laughs> joke. <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit of a joke. Uh, and Miles Gaskin, who's also been there forever, uh, he's back as well. So they returned 75% of their overall production, which is second in the Pac-12, coming back from a good team. So yeah, they lose a couple of key players, most notably Vita Vea, 
but they have so much else coming back and good recruits developing better than they have in past years that they should be an improved team, I think, over last year. And believe it or not, Washington, as harsh as I was at times about their offense last year, they were the most efficient offense in the Pac-12, but they just didn't have that explosive threat. And that's what held them back from being really, 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 really great. So um, with they had a, a injury at the beginning of last year to wide receiver Chico McClatcher, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah. And um, with him in the lineup, Browning was averaging 13.9 yards per completion. But without him, it dropped three full yards. So losing him really, really hurt. Uh, but getting him back should provide that explosive threat on the outside that they really need. And so as long as he comes back, I think U Dub is clearly t- the team to beat in the Pac-12. And we'll find out a lot about U Dub in the opening opening week when they face Auburn, which yeah. will be an awesome game to watch. But uh, so, anyways, uh, do you question for you guys though about U uh, Dub? It's just kind of a hypothetical here um, for Jake Browning. Do you think he makes it to New York? Hmm. I don't really see that happening because um, the biggest question mark for me on Washington is is kind of the the receiving core in general. So, I mean, I think Hunter Bryant at tight end might step up. Um, like you said, Ryan McClatcher coming back will help. But there's no John Ross, which, of course, in his best year, he had a, a great threat like that. So I think maybe Miles Gaskin might even be more likely than uh, than Jake Browning. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Gaskin... Ryan, your boy, Miles Gaskin, he, <laughs> he should take another step forward. I, and McClatcher, like you mentioned, I think he's going to be the man this fall. Like he, he was such a difference maker for the offense. Cause earlier, like I mentioned, Jake Browning in the latter half of the year was fairly lackluster. And that's coincidentally, you know, after McClatcher was, was out. So I like, uh, I like McClatcher. I like, I like the Huskies this year saying 10 and a half though, you know, it, I'm going out on a limb and saying that the first game against Auburn is going to make or break that, but yeah. they're, they're an underdog now. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to lean under because you look at last year, like they lost that mystifying game at ASU and it, they're still capable of doing that. I just see that there's a few roadblocks where they could run into. So I'm going to say, you know, a 10 and two season, they still win the North, but uh, I'm going to lean under. I'm, I'm actually going over despite my concerns about the receiving core. That's, that's really the the only concern because the defense should be great. The secondary might be the best in the country. Um, offensive line is really good. Confident in Jake Browning and uh, and Miles Gaskin. So I'm I'm going over. I understand that Auburn game might make or break it, but uh, I'm I'm high on Washington this year. Yep, I agree with you. Would you guys take Washington or the field in the Pac-12 North? Because I it's close for me, but I'd take Washington. Well, because you're really just down to Stanford and Oregon, and looking at those two schedules compared to UW's, I'm very more a lot more confident in uh, UW. Yeah, I'd take UW there as well. All right, who's who's next? All right, next team in the North to uh, to focus on is Stanford. They are they have an over under of eight, uh, with a slight lean of the favorite towards the over. Um, Last year, Stanford, they, we all kind of know they were held back by very poor quarterback play, play. You know, Keller Chris didn't work out. Costello showed flashes, and I'm actually pretty bullish on him this upcoming season. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty and good. We, we all know about Bryce Love and their exceptional run game, but the, 
the quarterback play was obviously the thing that just held them from from kind of getting over the top in some of those those bigger games. They're going to need it to improve because teams are going to obviously load up and slow down Bryce Love as much as possible. So with a full offseason of Costello being the guy, I think they're going to be a more efficient offense. They also have four linemen returning, which we already know how well they were able to run the ball. So that's that's going to be huge for the Cardinal. Yeah. Now on defense, they're going to need to improve a little bit in order if they want to really actually compete with UW to win the North. They, they're pretty strong at linebacker, but at defensive tackle, they might be a little light, especially after losing a guy like Harrison Phillips. Um, the, the last concern I have about Stanford, though, is their schedule. It's a doozy. They played mm-hmm. nine teams that were in bowl games last year, including road games at Oregon, Notre Dame, and Washington. Yeah. And they drew USC in the South. That's, that's true. And I, you know, I kind of laid out why I probably would go under, but I'm actually going to lean over because I'm really a believer in KJ Costello. I think he improves and, and they have a more balanced offense this year. All right, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be a wuss here, and I'm gonna push. We can do that, oh, right? Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> this isn't soccer. I'm, this is this is the only one that isn't a half a win. So I, it's the only chance oh, to man. push for this episode. Wow. Uh, but eight and four sounds about right to me, just because. I mean, I love the offense. Pun sort of intended there. Uh, there's really no holes there if you believe in Costello, which I, I definitely do. But. The defense, I mean, they were, they were 59th in S&P Plus last year defensively. And like you say, losing Harrison yeah. Phillips, who was everything for them on the D-line, losing Justin Reed and Quentin Meeks from the secondary, I just think the defense is going to be mediocre again, and that's going to hold them back along with the schedule. Yeah, I mean, in a somewhat disappointing season for Stanford last year, they still won nine games and won the Pac-12 North. It's crazy how far they've come in the last 10 years. Before <laughs> before Haba got yeah. there, it was like Walt Harris and 111, 1-11. It's just... Now they're disappointed with nine and five and winning the North. It's it, they've come a long, long way, but I like Costello a little bit. I don't think he's going to be great. Um, so I think they will be like maybe slightly improved over last year. So I'm going to take the over, um, just cause I think nine and three is more likely than seven and five, kind of like the odds suggest. So I'll say nine and three. Okay. Our final contender in the North is Oregon and their season win total is at eight and a half. The over is a slight favorite at minus 120. Uh, so Oregon, of course, promoted Mario Cristobal to head coach. I wasn't sure about that at first, but I think in hindsight, it's a good hire. He's recruiting really well, and they're kind of keeping continuity because they've they've got a good team for this year. The offense should be great. Um, they were, of course, amazing last year when Herbert was healthy, except for Boise State, Ryan, but we're going <laughs> to ignore that game. Yeah, we'll ignore the bowl game. <laughs> um most of the O-line is back. His receivers are back. So offensively, they're they're great. Defensively, I guess, is the question mark. But you got to like what Jim Levitt has done with them. He really improved them last year, took a big step forward. And I'm expecting them to do that again. They've got some top-tier talent there. Jalen Jelks on the D-line is awesome. Troy Dye is a potential All-American. So secondary, maybe a bit of a question mark. They played a lot of freshmen last year, though. So I would expect them to improve as well. So I'm going over eight and a half. Yeah, I'm. I like this team. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over on this one. I'll say they go nine and three, and their schedule is pretty easy. You didn't mention that they have just two projected top twenty teams um, on their schedule, and it's in Washington and Stanford, and they both go to Eugene, so they have an opportunity to knock them off. Yep, that's huge. Um, with Herbert in the lineup last year, they averaged fifty two points a game, so they were they were firing on all cylinders, and the passing game should improve. They return all those pass catchers and. The only thing is they lose Freeman and Benoit at uh, the running back position, so that could hurt a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, they were by far their most effective tailbacks last year. So we'll see how that works. They usually kind of produce some good running backs, but it's a concern. Um, but yeah, it's, you gotta like what Jim Levitt does on defense. I think they'll have last year, they were 59th, I think it was in S and P plus or 61st, sorry, 61st, which was like 60 better than they were the last year before they were pathetic. So heck, if they just get to a top 40 type defense with that offense, that's, that's probably going to get them to nine and three considering their schedule. Yeah, I, uh, I think we're all in agreement, which is kind of scary. We're all pretty bullish on the Ducks, even with Willie Taggart gone. You know, their, their window, if you asked me for their next five years, I might be a little concerned. I mean, I'm, I don't, I, what Cristobal did at, at Florida International was very impressive, but now leading an Oregon program after, after Willie Taggart leaving that, that might, that's a different, different beast, but, but again, with Levitt on the defensive side, you know, if they improve a little bit this given year, we all love Justin Herbert. I think Tony Brooks James might step up at running back. Uh, maybe they'll have someone else that can, that can provide some new production back there. But like you guys have mentioned with the, the schedule being favorable, I like the over on Oregon here. Okay, let's get to uh, let's get to our dark horses then in the division. All right, our first dark horse is Cal, who is uh, I think a good candidate for a dark horse here. They're they're over under set at six and a half right now. And Cal surprised a lot of people last year. Yeah, they only went five and seven, but against the spread, they actually were eight and three. So they were kind of surprising some folks. Um, they started off three and zero, oh, but then they had a slew of injuries and that really derailed their season. Uh, but this season looks a little more promising for them, considering how young they were last year. They ranked 19th uh, in the nation in returning production, so the experience will be there. And I think you're going to see a more explosive offense under second-year coordinator Bo Baldwin. Um, I just remember when he was at Eastern Washington, they were known for having that fast and explosive offense there on the on the red turf up there. Um, <laughs> but if, if you look at Cal's roster this spring, You'll notice that all of their QBs and skill guys are actually lighter, like they lost weight. So that kind of goes against conventional wisdom. You think that, you know, the older you get, the more weight you gain in the strength and conditioning. But no, Baldwin wants more speed. They lost weight. They're going to be faster. So I think they're going to be improved there. Um, but to me, their their first two games are huge because they're both toss-ups. They play North Carolina at home and then at BYU. So those are those are both projected to be like almost pick them games 50-50. So if you win both of those, they're looking good, looking like a bowl squad. Lose both, you can just put a fork in them. So I think they're going to they'll win both of them and they'll find four more wins somewhere else, but I don't think they're going to get over that six and a half point to get to seven. So I'll take the under here on Cal. Yeah, I mean, there there are pieces there for, for Cal to succeed. You know, Wilcox is he's trying to build something. If, if they do, well, big if, but if they, if they still stay healthy, they're going to be in some games where they have a chance to shock. I, I don't see them, given their schedule, I don't see them being consistent enough to get over the, the six and a half. So I, I don't see them getting seven, seven or eight wins. But the one thing is you did, you didn't really touch on their quarterback looks to be Bowers and he finished the season pretty strong last year. I mean, as a, as a whole in total, he was fairly inconsistent, but he did finish this season well. So if he stays consistent, they have a chance. And, and with Wilcox's defensive pedigree, it, it could help here because they do have, they are, you know, weak at D line, but they have some strong linebackers and it could be one of the better defenses that, that Cal's had in a while. So we'll see. I, uh, but I just don't see them going over the total here. I agree with, with the under. I think, 
I don't know. I think the narrative is kind of like you mentioned that last year, Justin Wilcox, you know, set a solid foundation and that cow was pretty decent, but I don't see it that way. They were 51st in S&P plus the year before he got there. And then last year they were 87th. I know injuries of course affected that, but still I'm, I'm not as sold on Justin Wilcox as a lot of other people are. Um, but I mean, I think they will get better with all the returning starters. The offense is bound to get better. And Trey, you, br- you bring up Ross Bowers, and I do expect him to be the starter, but there is a competition going on there. They've got uh, four guys kind of in the running. I think maybe the the biggest competition for him is Brandon McIlwain, the transfer from South Carolina, a little bit more of a dual threat. But either way, I'm not super confident in whichever quarterback comes out of that race. Um, defensively, I worry about the D-line, the loss of James Looney. Um, so I think they'll get a little bit better, but six and six. Before we move on, are, are you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on Justin Wilcox? I obviously made it clear that I'm not quite sold on him. I was a little disappointed with his first recruiting class, too. It was ranked 42nd, which Sonny Dykes had a couple classes better than that. So I, I thought Wilcox, that would be one of his calling cards, but at least after year one, it doesn't look like it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, Cal kind of has, they kind of go through certain trends where, you know, it's like once every 10 years, they perk up, it seems like, and have a really good squad. And with Wilcox, I think he could get there. I, I like what he did on defense. Their defense seemed to improve as the year went on. And once people started getting healthier later at the end of the year, Ross Bowers was starting to look good. So I think with another year in the system, another year for both Baldwin there, I think they are going to be a lot better. So I think Wilcox has kind of found the right staff with the, to support him. So I, I like the hire. I like him. I think he's going to be, I think he'll, he'll do well still. I mean, for me, it's just hard. Uh, the pecking order of the North, you've got such great coaches, you know, namely David Shaw and, and Chris Peterson. And then, you know, in years past, you've had Mike guys like Mike Leach. So it's going to be hard for him to, to compete up there. So, and, and Cal's a hard school to kind of recruit to in general, especially with across the Bay, you get Stanford, um, and, and it being a really good academic school. So I'm, I guess I'm going to play on the fence. I'm pretty indifferent on, on Wilcox. One thing we didn't bring up was uh, Demetrius Robertson, the wide receiver, of course, is transferring away. He was a five-star. He was one of their super talented guys, had a great freshman year, was injured last year, of course. But uh, but yeah, he, he is going to be transferring. So that was a, a, sh- a blow to the receiving core. Yeah, it's a big blow. All right. Who's our, uh, who's our next dark horse? Okay. Next on the list, we've got Washington State, the Cougs. Their over-under currently sits at six and a half with a strong favoritism towards the under. Well, we all know it was a pretty brutal offseason for the Cougs. You know, Mike Leach, as we discussed in previous podcasts, he had some controversy with a political video. Half of their staff left. And then, of course, you know, mourning the, the death of their quarterback, Tyler Holinsky, who, who seemed to be probably the, the guy for this upcoming year. Now, you know, with that being said, offensively even with some inexperience at quarterback Leach always seems to find a way to be successful on that side of the ball so I'm not terribly concerned um you know although it might be a little lesser of an extent as opposed to uh years prior with with the amazing offense but they lose Luke Falk as well they lose a couple receivers and then an an all-american lineman as well now it looks to be at quarterback the transfer Gardner Minshew from East Carolina he's probably going to be the guy but they have a bunch of options they've got some freshmen redshirt freshmen and a walk-on 
But with him transferring in and from an offense like ECU, it should fit the Leach system well. So I'm really not terribly worried for for the Leach offense. But again, it's not an offense that's going to lead them to uh, to the the playoff or anything. But yeah. defensively, they have a new coordinator and former Minnesota coach Tracy Clay's. He's going to have to replace Alex Grinch, who was awesome, and he he had a solid D last year. Obviously, they're going to lose Hercules Mata Afa, who was crushing everyone in his path and he was a one-man wrecking crew so you know if if he can build on Grinch's success that you know in in turning their defense into a top 30d which is absolutely astonishing in Pullman and especially for a Mike Leach led team you know they are they do have some pieces they're solid on the back end they've got some linebackers some the secondary is a little bit unexperienced or the secondary is solid excuse me but they're a little bit inexperienced on the d-line but if they get any production up front they have a chance but what do you guys think like i don't really like the vibe in pullman right now and i'm, I'm leaning under but say leach goes five and seven this year like do you put him on the hot seat even though he's a great fit there after this kind of off season where he was flirting with tennessee where he practically had the job after that whole thing then i would say yeah he's he's got a little shorter leash now so if he did go five and seven that he would be on the hot seat. I don't think they'd fire him, but he, he would be on the hot seat. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, Trey, I, you covered that pretty well there. Um, you know, I always root for the Cougs. I, I just, but I just don't think they're going to have the greatest squad this year. There's been too much stuff going on this off season. I think, uh, like I mentioned, him going and being all but, you know, becoming Tennessee's head coach is really going to hurt. You know, all those coaches left, and I just don't see how that can't impact them in a negative way and then just losing Grinch and himself that's just gonna be killer I think and replacing him with nothing against Tracy Clay's but Grinch is just there's a reason why he's at Ohio State now so yeah um I I I just not get feeling the best vibe up there so I'm gonna go under six and a half unfortunately yeah that's the same reason I'm going under Alex the loss of Alex Grinch is huge and Hercules Matsaafa he was everything for that defense so yep the defense was what led them to to go nine and four last year. It wasn't Leach's offense, so I, I think they're they're going to struggle this year. And I think even that nine and four baseline is a little bit inflated because they were three and zero in games decided by a field goal. So that's that's Leach's mo. He's there. He's so good in close games. I I was reading stats on that, but I, I guess I don't. I just don't know. That just seems like luck to me. It seems like, but yeah, but I'm it's I'm, true. I'm not sure with his history with that, but uh, but either way, under six and a half. Okay, that's that's all the uh, the dark horses because we have one long shot to get to. Yeah, an extreme long shot. Oh, man. it's a very very long shot. <laughs> Oregon State, their season win total is set at two and a half, <laughs> which is pretty low. The under is getting slightly more action. It's it's at minus one twenty. So I took a look at Phil Steele and uh, Athlon Sports Preview magazines. I looked at their position unit rankings, and they are last in the Pac twelve at quarterback running back receiver d-line linebackers and secondary (laughs) so not great not great but you know they do bring in jonathan smith from washington maybe he learned a little something under chris peterson and he can start turning the program around it's not going to happen this year obviously but maybe they can take some steps jake luton looks to be the quarterback he was injured for most of last year so we didn't really get to see much of him um but he's not a guarantee to be the starter there's a junior Connor Blunt and another Juco transfer Jack Coletto in the mix. But either way, it's going to be an uphill battle. I think they could they could go 0-9 in the Pac-12 again. So I'm going under. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the Beavers up there in Corvallis. I do think Jonathan, Jonathan Smith's a great hire for them. Uh, he's just going to need time uh, in in Corvallis. You know, having having him played there, he he knows he knows the the Beaver the Beaver Nation, if you will. So the the roster there just completely fell apart under Gary Anderson and and his bizarre tenure there, which is yeah. one of the most mystifying things known to man. And the bizarre ending. Yeah, that's what. Very, yeah, exactly. That's what's so weird about it. He just said no i don't want i don't want the money i can't even i can't be here any longer <laughs> everything about it was weird from wisconsin to oregon state whatever yeah. but uh they just don't they don't have the playmakers and the other thing is their first game is at ohio state yeah. where they're just going to get absolutely steamrolled <laughs> yeah so <laughs> it's going to be a bloodbath so their their confidence is not going to be high going into the season after that so if you look at their schedule they play southern utah which i'm not so sure that's a gimme but their only favorite a touchdown is According to S and P Plus, say they beat Southern Utah, there isn't there isn't a game where they'd be favored at this point. So I have to lean under. Sorry, Beeves. Yeah, definitely going under here as well. Um, I think a two and ten season would be is kind of in the works. Um, Jonathan Smith is great, um, great hire for them. He was QB for their magical two thousand season. So and he got really great experience under Chris Peterson for six years. Probably the best hire that they could have gotten. Um, kind of. It's kind of got like a little bit of a Scott Frost feel to it. The, the <laughs> chosen quarterback is coming back home and going to lead them to the great land. But it's yeah, it's basically the same. Eerily similar. Eerily similar. Just <laughs> just a little more on the JV level. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Riley ain't walking through that door. Well, he did, and then he walked right out. Yeah, yeah. He he was going to be like the associate head coach slash tight ends coach. Oh yeah. And then now he just got hired by the San Antonio. Yeah. Team from the American Athletic Professional League that they just started. Yeah. I have kind of a morbid question for you guys. Um, Or sorry, Ryan, go ahead. No, yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'm under. Going back to that at Ohio State game. Would you make a bet where if if Ohio (laughs) State wins, you get, I'll call it $10 million. But if if Ohio State loses, you die. Oh. Would you make that bet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's an honest answer, Ryan Trey. No, I, I just, there's too many variables that I am not in control of. So I can't, I mean, I understand what the 99.99% likelihood, but not risking my life over the beavers. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe a more reasonable answer, I guess. <laughs> I guess there's always that App State Michigan potential there or Stanford USC. Who knows? So. All right. I guess I wouldn't do it, but I'd really think about it. <laughs> I'd think about it hard. I mean, ten million. You're you're set. All right, Ryan. Did you make your over under pick? I, I don't remember. I definitely said under. Oh, okay. Poor yeah. beefs. <laughs> All right. That does it for our tiered rankings. But uh, we have another segment here called the hot seat. And Ryan, it is your turn this episode to be in the hot seat. All right. So that means Trey and I are going to alternate asking you questions about the Pac-12 North. Fire away. Okay. I feel like I'm in a jungle here with this music or something. First question. Is Mike Leach coaching Washington State in five years? Uh, I'm going to have to say no on that one. I mentioned this earlier, but I think him flirting with Tennessee is really going to hurt this year, and it's going to mess the culture up. And just kind of reminds me of Dana Altman when he left Creighton to go to Arkansas. <laughs> Very relatable. <laughs> and then when he, he returned to Creighton like a week later, and then just things weren't ever the same in Omaha again, and he ended up leaving to go to Oregon. So I'm going to say, no, he won't be. All right, next question. Who will be the breakout player of the Pac-12 North? Um, I'm going to go with um, 
Aaron Fuller. He's a wide receiver from Washington. He finished last year strong with six catches uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, and he's been one of Browning's top targets uh, this spring. So without Dante Pettis, he should see a lot more balls coming his way and um, have have a pretty big year. All right, third question. What is the strongest position unit in the division? This was a tough question. I there was a few that I was thinking about, but uh, well, that's not the cold seat, Ryan. All right, sorry. it's the hot seat. I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm going to go with Washington's defensive line. Yeah, they lose Vita Vea, who was awesome, but they return everybody else. Greg Gaines should do well there at nose tackle, replacing uh, Vita Vea and Levi Onwuzurike and Jalen Johnson. Both prove they can make plays, and they bring in a really talented freshman and the 330 pounder Tuli. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. It's really <laughs> way too hard, but he's a big, big time recruit. So I think they're going to be another a great unit once again. All right, Ryan, let's really put you on the hot seat. You mentioned that Jonathan Smith going to Oregon State was eerily similar to Scott Frost going to Nebraska. Well, that kind of led me to think, what would it take? Say Urban Meyer goes to Oregon State. How long do you think it would take for him to get to 10 wins in Corvallis? Oh, man. Well, it's been done. So uh, if anybody would be able to do it, it's probably Meyer. But boy, they are way far away. So if he went this year, if he started this year? Yeah, this is his first year. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, yeah, true. Um, I'm going to say it would take Urban Meyer by his third season. Whoa. Wow. Third season. Yeah. Wow. He's going to bring in studs. He's going to get it done. That's what he does. Look at it. Bowling Green, Utah. Turn them around. All right. Wow. We end the hot seat with a hot take there. Yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> we will never know. Good job, Ryan. I think you survived well there. Yeah, thanks. Are you sweating? I actually am. It's pretty hot in here. <laughs> it is hot <laughs> in Southern California right now. It's hot, man. It's hot outside. Record temps. Okay. Let's get to the questionable finish. Stanford players have a recent history of finishing second in Heisman voting. What is something you've been very close to attaining, only to repeatedly fall just short? I'll go first for this one. For me, I'd have to say uh, getting a hole in one. <laughs> oh, no. I did. No, I did do that. I did. I did do that. Never mind. I guess I, I don't have one. Um, uh, it's very funny, Mike. Um, for me, I would say I, I just haven't been able to get a hole in one. Ah. Yeah. Oh, wait a sec. No, I, I did that. No. Oh, that's yeah, right. You bad. did. Oh, you that's did. right. I did. Yeah. You were there, Mike. You saw it. Oh, I was. I saw yeah, that's it. That's right. Oh, that's right. You know, you know, you bastards that <laughs> when you asked the, when you asked the question, that's exactly what came to mind. Of course. I was going to say, I've yet to have a hole in one, but <laughs> I feel like I was set up. This is not cool. <laughs> you definitely were set up. Trey does not have a hole in one. Wow. And even our even the college football bro's dad has one. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> wow. Next question. Oregon has very polarizing uniforms, but many claim they're the best in college football. Who do you think has the best uniforms in the country? I've always liked the numbers on Bama's helmets, but maybe not my top jersey. I'm going to go crazy, and I'm going to say North Carolina. Hmm. Their baby blue is awesome. They have that Argyle design on their helmet stripe and on their, their collar. I'm, I'm a big fan. Okay. I uh, I went specific with this one. I'm going with Florida's alternate retro jerseys. They've got the 
the the blue jerseys, the white pants, but mostly it's the helmet, the white helmet with just that orange F on it. For some reason, I just think that those are maybe the best jerseys in sports. Wow. That's pretty sweet. Um, I'm going to go with uh, USC. I like their classic uniforms, man. All right. Those are nice. Those are really sweet. Okay, final question. Name something that's as likely as Oregon State winning the Pac-12 North. Mm, okay. Um, I'm going to say being hit by a meteor, which is <laughs> oh, wow. 182,138,880,000 to 1. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, I'm going to say yep. Oregon State winning the Pac-12 South, just as likely. About the same. Oh, no. The, the Pac-12 South is much easier. No, but they're not in the Pac-12 South, Ryan. That's the point. Yeah, come on, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> come on, Ryan. <laughs> Don't take it so literal, Ryan. All right. I'm going to say it's more likely that Ryan will praise Kellen Mond's quarterback play. Ooh, that. Now that's unlikely. <laughs> wow. That's... Oh, man. Jimbo would have to work some serious magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That will do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Look, keep on the lookout. Uh, and in a couple of days, we're going to be releasing our Pac-12 South and Championship preview. So you'll get our uh, conference championship picks. And then, of course, the all the rest of the conferences will be following in the coming weeks. So stay tuned and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. Keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.